Hello, everyone. This is Mehul Desai from Tantra. Uh, welcome once again to the Tantra podcast. This is episode three, uh, continuing our conversation uh, on the holy grail of fintech. And uh, today uh, we will attempt to dig deeper uh, into the Indian fintech uh, evolution, revolution, uh, as we've titled our podcast for today. This is the Holy Grail of Fintech, India Stack and Beyond. Um, and I have uh, a dear friend, uh, Dilip Aspe, uh, here as our uh, guest on this podcast. Uh, welcome, Dilip, to the Tantra podcast. Thank you, Mehul. Great. Thank you so much. I know it's so difficult for you to carve time out from your extremely busy schedule. And, uh, you know, we, we at all of us at Tantra absolutely appreciate that. And I'm sure this conversation is going to be uh, helpful and inspiring for so many folks out there. Uh, so as we do in, in, uh, in the Tantra podcast, I'm going to take a few minutes just to do a quick background on myself. Um, uh, do a little bit of the framework for the conversation today, and then uh, hand it over to Dilip uh, to, to requesting him to do the same. Uh, so on myself, I uh, have spent a good part of the last 30 years in, uh, once again, what the world now calls fintech, had an opportunity to work on mobile wallets very early on, uh, got to deploy them, mobile wallets, mobile commerce, payment infrastructure all around the world. Um, built a company out of the U.S. and eventually sold that to MasterCard uh, in 2014. Uh, in the process, uh, worked across every major market, worked with most large infrastructure providers, um, You know, worked on financial services, uh, retail applications, also got to dabble a little bit on the healthcare side, on the government side. And all in all, it, uh, it uh, was a fantastic run. Uh, amongst other things, it gave me an opportunity to uh, uh, connect with, uh, meet with, and collaborate with uh, friends and colleagues like Dilip. Um, and uh, you know, clearly, that is something that I that I absolutely cherish and, and value the most. Uh, since then, in the last few years, uh, I've built a few more companies, um, uh, sold a couple, shut down a couple, uh, had an opportunity to take one company public on the London Stock Exchange. Uh, so just got to do, again, lots of uh, interesting things using technology across lots of different uh, application areas. Um, I'm a big believer in intellectual property. Uh, I have 90 plus patents issued out of the U.S. Uh, I've had an opportunity to publish two books, uh, worked a little bit on the government side uh, at a task force at the Federal Reserve in the U.S. For a few years, I'm doing something at a state level specific to education now. Um, have had an opportunity to dabble a little bit on the knowledge economies, knowledge cities, food safety, new education models, um, and uh, essentially, again, it's it's just been a it's been a great run. And uh, so, in many ways, uh, tantra uh, for me is a culmination of the last thirty years of the work uh, that I've been doing. Um, and again, as a kind of a quick reminder for the audience, uh, Tantra as an innovation ecosystem has five parts to it. Uh, we have engineering services, uh, we have a venture fund, we have our incubator, uh, we have our academy where we build people that we call Gurukul, and we have a fit-to-purpose enterprise platform for continuing education, for innovation, uh, and for other enterprise knowledge-sharing functions that we call Yantra. 
And so these five pieces kind of come together to form Tantra. Uh, and all of this is supported by a global network of domain experts. Uh, in terms of domains, our focus is on fintech, health tech, IoT, supply chain, and new economy. And uh, so with that said, um, coming specifically to the, the current series, um, we started conversations on fintech. Uh, we've titled it The Holy Grail of Fintech. Um, and in the last episode, uh, I uh, essentially framed from my perspective, uh, using, of course, my journey in fintech, uh, to talk a little bit about, you know, the early days of what I call the plumbing, um, you know, how that has led to a lot of different uh, applications, some disruptive, some not, uh, all around the world. Uh, how in many ways uh, decentralized finance, uh, I believe, and I would love to find a way to truly turn it into democratizing finance. And we talked a little bit about kind of what democratizing finance would mean um, and introduce the term, uh, the normalization of the cost of accessing capital. And uh, so in the last podcast, we, we kind of laid this structure uh, in place. Um, and uh, the attempt now, starting with the conversation today with Dilip, uh, is to kind of explore uh, from from Dilip's perspective uh, not just the evolution uh, of uh, fintech, uh, but also uh, how he views the holy grail of fintech, specifically in terms of democratizing finance and you know where the world from his perspective will be. Uh, when it comes to India, I've had it, uh, some uh, experience in India. Um, I had an opportunity to to deploy uh, the first version of Indian uh, railway ticketing for IRCTC. This was a long time back. Uh, also had an opportunity to deploy our technology to power Narega payments, uh, the social program, um, along with uh, Sam Petroda and uh, his colleagues at the Knowledge Commission. Uh, Dr. Garola, um, Nandan Nilkani, I had an opportunity to, you know, support them and do some very early work on what has now become India Stack. And uh, so I've, I've uh, had an opportunity to, to work directly and in, in, indirectly on a lot of different interesting things in India. And uh, several years ago, um, when the government uh, announced demonetization, as much as there are a lot of different perspectives to, to that kind of uh, watershed milestone uh, moment. As a pure fintechnocrat, uh, my view then, and it continues to be today, is that in a way kind of became India's Asian Games moment. And uh, what I mean by that is, um, uh, you know, when India launched or hosted rather its first uh, Asian Games, uh, it ushered in uh, so many color television sets in India. And prior to that, really, people in India did not have a good reason to go out and buy a color television set. And so when demonetization was announced, uh, as a fintechnocrat, I personally thought that uh, that essentially became a catalyst to really uh, move India towards all kinds of electronic uh, payment. Um, you know, very transformative, some disruptive, uh, some not, but clearly uh, became a huge catalyst towards driving uh, uh, consumers, citizens, uh, to 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 do electronic payments of all kinds, and uh, and that's really uh, where Dilip comes in. Of course, Dilip's journey uh, in fintech uh, started a long time ago, 
but frankly, from my perspective, and I say this more as a friend, if it wasn't for Dilip and his colleagues and all the fantastic work that they've been doing over you know decades now uh, at NPCI and to make sure that uh, the right uh, infrastructure was in place, clearly uh, we would not be anywhere close to where we are in India today with electronic payments. And we absolutely would not have been in a position to, to leverage that Asian Games moment. And so with that said, um, I would like to turn it over to Dilip. Uh, Dilip, once again, thank you so much. Uh, welcome to Tantra's podcast. And uh, I would appreciate it if you could uh, uh, do a little background on yourself for, for the benefit of our audience and also give your general perspective on fintech. And we can then kind of use that to uh, get into a little bit more discussion on the Holy Grail. Thank you uh, so much, uh, Mehul, for uh, inviting me to participate in this uh, podcast. And uh, hello to all your uh, listeners. Uh, I believe next uh, 45 minutes uh, or so, we are going to have a very engaging conversation, looking back, reflecting, and also kind of uh, drawing back the future which India dreams of, right, as far as digitization or digital payments as a whole. So, Mehul, uh, you know, I'm, I'm an engineering graduate uh, myself. I did uh, my graduation back in uh, 97 uh, from Mumbai University. I used to, I studied from Father Agnell's uh, uh, college in Bandra. And then I joined the tech company, started the, some of the coding jobs as uh, routine. And, uh, you know, right from the beginning, most of the efforts or most of the attention was on uh, the financial services, right? So because my first job was at Bombay Stock Exchange, right? But I got used to the the, the Bolt software and, and its operations uh, and uh, a very high-scale uh, uh, transaction processing platforms. And then, uh, you know, kind of looking back to, uh, to Western Union, uh, then uh, some bit of amount of consulting with the with the Opus software, uh, Opus uh, software solutions in Pune, and then I met uh, the, the gentleman Loni Antony in uh, uh, Euronet uh, India. He was starting off uh, with the Euronet's operations in India, and uh, then I started working with him and and the other colleagues. And you know, about eight years in uh, in uh, Euronet uh, setting up the whole uh, ATM business setting up the 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 first uh, ATM interoperable network in the country cashnet then uh, also the the mobile top up we were the first one to do the to connect to the to the telecom operators uh, for the mobile uh, recharge and uh, and it was very exciting that time to work with all the, the leading telcos to uh, to look at how they look at the financial services world. And uh, so that was uh, Euronet. And uh, after that, uh, you know, when the NPCI, you know, I heard in 2007-8, uh, the NPCI being set up. And, you know, I knew one of the uh, executive ex-executive directors of Reserve Bank of India, who was actually instrumental in... Uh, in building uh, or setting up this, evangelizing this idea of NPCI kind of institute. And uh, the execution was done by then the, the later on RBI and the IBA and the leading banks. So there was an opportunity and I, I said in 2009, and you know, I said, let me try this out because you know, I have done payments all my life and there is a entity uh, which, is, uh, which is being set up uh, 
uh, as a to 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 be the national backbone for uh, payments. And you know, I said, let me try this out. Obviously, a lot of questions in my mind that you know, I worked all the time in MNCs, and you know, how do I just back to the public? Uh, company and public good company in that sense and uh, you know yeah initial few months few years that uh, hesitation remained it took a little longer to to get that hesitation out but uh, but look at it you know now 13th year I'm employee number one of NPCI still uh, still with it and you know I can say that there is never a dull moment uh, in that sense so that's that's a bit of my background uh, Megul. Great. Thanks, Deepal. Thank you, Dilip. And I think you said it extremely well. I mean, um, you know, the, what you're doing is is a public good, right? And and that um, and that kind of underscores uh, not just the not just the accomplishment, but the the importance of of the work that you're doing. You know, of course, with NPCI and and beyond. So, uh, look, using that. Um, Kind of now to jump a little bit into our our discussion. I mean, uh, just to ease into the specifics of NPCI, uh, you know, in terms of UPI, rupee, and and so on. Um, kind of how would you how would you frame your early struggles in fintech? Um, you know, uh, I mean, how did you stumble into this? Uh, yes, payment is one part. Um, you know, uh, digitizing, uh, especially in an extremely, you know, diverse environment that we have in India, uh, is another part. But how would you frame those early early days? See, Mehul, I don't know whether I uh, I really chose. Uh, you know, and there, there were many opportunities in that sense. One is the uh, the financial technologies was one of the opportunities because most of the things were were done before were manual less of digitization the the national uh, the the banks have recently been migrated back to uh, to the uh, to the whole computerization drive of the bank happened in uh, 1990s or early 2000 in that sense so uh, you know when we were looking at uh, uh, you know when 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 any anybody who's actually passing out graduation engineering uh, as a technologist you know there are multiple areas which we had by then I think one of the first fields uh, which started the digitization in a, or, or a use of technology in a big way is uh, is uh, is the banking and uh, financial services. You know, at the, at the same time, the the NSE was being set up. The 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 stock markets were doing very well. So I think the the financial services was a very natural uh, choice for any uh, technologies in that sense because. The commerce and other other digitization of the other sectors uh, was not that prevalent, uh, and you know, the, one of the one of the advantage of uh, being old enough, uh, what I can say, uh, Mehul. So, uh, so I think the the working with the technology companies was a very natural choice uh, in that sense, rather than uh, working for a bank, working for a what you call any other institution or uh, any other sector like commerce or. Uh, for that matter, any other part. I think the financial services and the technology enablement of the financial services as a sector was a big drive, was a big drive. And, you know, thanks to the regulators uh, on all sides, whether it's RBI, SEBI or uh, ADA, you know, I think the regulators were also pushed forward to the to the technology adoption in, in that sense. Very technology. And I'm talking about this 2000 onwards, so about 22, 23 years back. And uh, I, I think that that actually drove me automatically. You know, I, I cannot say that it was a very conscious call. 
but it was like a natural choice to be with the financial services technology companies and what we call it as uh, fintech uh, today so uh, in in that sense uh, uh, dilip how would you how would you frame um if you kind of took a step back because you've done so many so many different things right i mean of course there is as i like to call it a method to the madness in terms of how you were building but uh, if you were to step back and if you were to kind of wean out the structural components right saying that from your perspective how would you frame and at, at this point we're kind of still keeping this relatively more general but how would you frame the building blocks of fintech how would you frame the frame the the core components the foundation uh, you know, personally, I always, uh, and with my telecommunication background, I think that's where the, that prejudice comes from. But I kind of always tend to look at things in tiers. And I said, there's a utility tier, and then there's a usability tier. And so as a, as a technocrat, uh, how do you look at uh, the, the foundational core components uh, of, of fintech? See, when you... Uh... You know, you know when you look at uh, when you look at uh, uh, the NPCI journey and and overall, uh, you know, I think the financial services is a is a basic need, uh, you know, for for anybody who's who's uh, living right. So for him, the exchange of money, buy, sell, payments, money transfer is as as uh, critical and and basic, right? As or or the banking or or savings or whatever credit for that matter credit is obviously is 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 evolving and you know may not be accessible to all but the basic banking financial services the payments is is part of every human being's life who's living on this uh, earth and who's part of this social community uh, uh, network so uh, so when you look at the, the 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 initial part the initial path of uh, you know the financial services of fintech actually worked on how do we make the access right how do we make the access or inclusion to uh, to the formal uh, economy or finance formal digital uh, formal financial services so uh, so the initial use of the technology if i understand correctly you know it was more towards the access, right? Whether am I able to get access to uh, to the bank branch, whether I'm able to open the account, whether I'm able to go back to the ATM and withdraw the cash, uh, how does the cash management, currency management happens? I think the the whole first seven, eight years was on the access, right? Then the second phase uh, which came in that Yes, that access is good enough, but you know it has a it has a huge physical touch to it, right? Which which was only physical. The banking, everything was only and only physical. The second phase of this financial services, which I can talk about, which and, and there are many game changers. You know the 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 starting of the the the, the depositories uh, in the financial services, the the core banking. Uh, uh, uh migration of the banks uh you, you know the starting of the channels such as mobile banking internet banking and mehul you built up one of the the your your earlier uh, one of the initiatives built up the mobile banking app for one of the leading banks in india so i think the second phase 
actually started and that was more like you know how do we convert to digital right so it was it was a physical plus digital digital i i may talk about and uh, you know there were the while there was some initiatives on uh, you know we you know npci was uh, started by then uh, very recently we we did the check truncation we did the interoperable uh, uh, atm largest atm network in in, in, the, in the world uh, we did uh, imps you know there was some uh, innovation and again thanks to mr kutas all initiatives that we started with imps as a real time payment uh, system uh, and uh, you know and so that is that was the mode of uh, you know the time of uh, you know digital right so while some of the early adopters can be on a on a digital right but predominantly the, the banking financial services was on a digital while the trading happened uh, real time on the stock markets you know people actually queued up with the brokers and broker had the terminal and and do the trading for them or vice versa for uh, you know going back to the atm withdrawing the cash and uh, you know those kind of uh, things the third stage and last 3 4 years uh, i may talk about i think it is it is more and more digital and you know every uh, every uh, uh, every year passing by is reemphasizing back that movement and accelerating that movement to only digital situation and i i can talk about uh, you know three turning points uh, to this uh, mehul one was the the prime minister talking about the whole jam trinity in terms of uh, uh, in terms of jandan uh, you know opening up the 300 million jandan accounts the opening up of aadhar to the to the ecosystem for ekyc authentication variety of services and this whole mobile right the smart uh, smartphone penetration ex- start of acceleration of the smartphone penetration in india right so i think the jam trinity was the first big uh, game changer for us i actually uh, you know he meant lot of things uh, by then but obviously it was not clear to uh, to many of us and but i think slowly slowly it started getting clearer that you know what he actually meant by how this jam trinity will fuel the the growth in uh, in the digital financial services of the of the country the second thing was demonetization obviously uh, the, after the, the 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 striking of the the high value denominations in the country uh, you know obviously everybody was now st- started looking at yes there is a viable alternative and i think it the demonetization exercise reemphasized to the to the every indian yeah, yes there is an alternative to cash right you know till then i don't think people really understood there was that there is an alternative to cash to make your daily transactions payments or any other transactions and the third part i think the covid last two uh, two years uh, covid has been a big game changer again uh, you know it, it pushed back the 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 acceleration in a, in a big way worldwide not only india but but i think the advantage in india what we got with the thanks to rbi and the government's uh, vision we had the platforms ready and ready to to scale up big time right you know with the with the with the strengthening of npci the the other uh, payment platforms the the innovation focus of the government and rbi you know we were all the you know it had the vibrant ecosystem it had the fintechs banks collaborations in place it had the npci as a as a public good central payments platform so it kind of fueled the the growth 
big time in last uh, two years thanks to covid because i think the consumer was ready the ecosystem was ready and the situation was forced to on the consumer to to move digital for all aspects you know mehul uh, not only the financial payment transactions or whatever it is i think most of the activities got digitized after the covid because i think the consumer was ready the platform was ready the ecosystems fintech vibrant fintech ecosystem was ready by then and banks also were very much ahead on the digitization uh, drive uh, you know it took some time for them to pick up but i think now you look at most of the banks are truly digital only ba- digital banks uh, in uh, india whether it's a leading bank or uh, leading private banks or public sector banks uh, uh, uh leave apart uh, i mean so i think there were, there were three phases i think india has gone through and the fintech evolution has gone through so the initial phase again if i just have to paraphrase the mehul uh, uh, it was the initial was the access and there were many financial uh, technologies companies uh, started by then euronet was the one fintech uh, fss opus and fi variety of companies in india which we saw enabling the access then the whole digital world started and again you know company your company like csam people built the internet banking mobile banking the payment digital payment apps journey started and the third era is the is the is a fully digitization only era which is like a upi uh, and 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 uh, and the and the india stack uh, in that sense sorry for the long uh, answer but you know i thought i should make a justice uh, explaining back in detail the three uh, uh periods which i saw person no 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 please don't apologize on the contrary this is great and you know i was making few notes by the way this is the first time i'm hearing the term digital dilip um and uh, and you're absolutely right i mean uh, you know that's the best way to describe it so i'm i'm going to i'm going to borrow that term from you uh, because i think it it says it extremely well and uh, so uh, frankly if i can um, if i can probe you a little bit more push you a little bit more for our kind of students of fintech uh, not academic students but those who are now kind of coming into this fintech era and want to you know clearly build the next wave of you know everything from apps to services to you know disruption whatever you want to call it if you had to kind of take a stab uh, with all your experiences uh what would your guidance to them be on how best to approach adoption and then how to kind of transition as you start towards figuring out scale and uh, the reason i i would love uh, to hear this from you and and you know again i think our audience can benefit immensely is uh, as you know very well okay these you know these are two very different things and in your case uh you have had to figure out adoption in an extremely difficult environment uh i mean i can only begin to relate because i've done you know some work in india um but uh, but based on that i i know for a fact that there are just some complexities that you have to solve for um and yet you found a way to to drive adoption and then once you once you figured out how to get adoption uh you know you have also then transitioned uh put the blocks in place and you've managed to to kind of build scale which is unrivaled right in in that sense uh so can you talk a little bit to that dilip and again i i you know not to look for anything that you perceive to be sensitive but i think it would be of immense value to our audience 
if they can hear from you kind of how they should think of adoption based on your experiences and then how they should view scale differently. So, uh, great question, uh, Mehul. I think, I think if the, you know, yeah, and you know, let me take a shot. I'm not a guru in uh, fintech, uh, but let me take my uh, shot at this. I, I think before we start uh, anything, any idea, Mehul, I, I think the uh, everybody knows there has to be some real problem to solve, right? You know, if you are if you are trying to and, and real problem to solve in a significant way, right? I think it's a is a is a basic starting for, point for any fintech is what I can think of. If you are trying to uh, provide the incremental effort, if you are trying to provide the efficiency, if you are trying to undercut your pricing to offer something else, I think it will have a limited self. Whatever you try to do in that, you know, you it, it may have the limited shelf life uh, from uh, from uh, the time perspective. So uh, if you have a real problem to solve, real in a very significant way is a, is a basic starting point. Second is uh, is uh, is the is the use of technology, right? You know, I think the use of technology. You know, today the technology has scaled up uh, amazingly, uh, amazingly well uh, uh, in terms of you know having the open source. You know, so the cost of building tech with the cloud and and with this whole open source evolution has come down dramatically down. And you know, I, I think it's going to go further. Uh, Crazy, right? With the low-code, no-code platforms, and you know the the use of AI and the whole software uh, 3.0 uh, or 2.0 story, right? You know, I, so so I I assume that anybody who wants to build up the fintech, it has to make it like a deep tech company, right? You know, you can't build up a a, a fintech at least now in India as a as a as a as a superficial uh, technology uh, organization, right? So, and, you know, it has a great long-term advantage, right? You know, you will build a agile org, you will build a low-cost org, you will build a futuristic tech, which will be able to deal with the, with the, with the, with, with most of the problems in a very cost-effective way, right? So, so technology is the second lever, which I can uh, think for a fintech. And third, last but not the least is, is the ecosystem, you know, I, I, I somewhere strongly believe that if there is an ecosystem, and when I say ecosystem, it's not about the it's not about the the, the, the the one actor or two actors. I'm talking about most of the actors which really matters for any evolution to happen, right? So be it regulators, right? You know, how regulators are uh, innovation, uh, how they look at the innovation, how are they driving the change, how are they looking at a forward-looking uh, regulations, uh, as far as the financial services or any other services are concerned, in any area, the the how the banks or financial institutions are leveraged, you know, whether they are uh, looking at opening up the uh, their system to connect, uh, collaborate uh, on APIs, right? And and third is, you know, what is the 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 what are the other fintech startups actually looking at uh, this whole thing? So I think the these are the three things comes to my mind. Uh, uh, Mehul, that you know, if if the fintechs has to uh, somebody has to start, one is you need a you need a great problem to solve or a great idea, and uh, second is the deep tech organization, and third is the diverse and vibrant uh, uh, ecosystem. Is is these are the three things which I would rate as a important 
very important to consider before you you actually start jumping into great no absolutely dilip absolutely and uh, so look i just to digress a little bit a kind of you know going back in time in terms of my own uh, experiences um you know as i started working as a technocrat and especially uh, uh not being uh, or being a non financial person let me put it that way uh, as i started to look at financial services in the very early days um and you know we clearly at that time uh, were doing things that we felt were very disruptive uh you know we had a very i had i should say a very you know kind of myopic view of regulators i mean very simply put as a technocrat and disruptor i always viewed regulators to not understand innovation and not you know kind of doing justice to to innovation and then along the way i had an opportunity to actually start engaging with regulators and also had an opportunity to work alongside them uh and across different markets i had an opportunity to do this in the us a little bit in india a little bit in mexico you know and uh, as i kind of started to get a little better sense of their world got a peek into their complexities uh my respect for them went up exponentially right and uh, so i guess the build up that i have for you and you have been working uh kind of where innovation and regulation comes together uh <laughs> having seen you work on a daily basis i know for a fact on a daily basis you have to resolve things on the innovation side resolve things on the regulation side and find ways to kind of you know find that that common ground and then move forward and that too once again in a highly complex environment and building scale what is your what is your part observation and part advice to folks out there right especially folks who like me are you know like the way i used to view it in my early days saying that no as a disruptor you know all regulators are bad they don't get it uh which is not true what what is your kind of guidance to them how should they approach uh especially in in a space you know related to financial services right health tech is the same uh you know what is your guidance what is uh, your advice to them um uh, see first of all uh, mehul i i just uh, cannot agree more right you know and uh, a regulator's life is a regulator's life beat any regulator in that sense and uh, when uh, when everything goes right no nobody gives them credit and uh, when anything goes wrong you know anything goes wrong you know they get the the blame and you know to be honest uh, mehul last uh, 13 years with npci i i i have understood that it is going to be you know you, you have to be extremely extremely lucky and fortunate to do everything right in your in your uh, in your uh, for by by an any institution like a regulator for example right so many a times uh you know because because this path of innovation this path of change right creates its own problems right but uh, but i think what is the choice you know whether taking that not taking that path or uh, of change of innovation is there a choice there is no choice right? so you have to take that path but uh, uh, if you really ask me you know what is you know and obviously uh, you know so fintech thinking uh, 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 you know uh, the way you suggested that the regulators don't understand this is quite legitimate because uh, because they uh, they they are only looking at the technology and its positives right 
but the technology brings in the negatives as well, right? And, uh, you know, today at NPCI or I'm sure at the RBI, uh, you know, the, 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 when, when there is a consideration, when there is a thinking, the, the, what is the, what are the issues which technology can, can cause, right? Because, you know, you, you have to, uh, you know, RBI's job is to not, grow the ecosystem rbi's primary job is to to save and protect this uh, 1.3 billion uh, people right you know that's the the core job of the regulator and how it will go and how it will uh, create some un problems or unintended consequences of technology or the innovation i think that's a primary job of rbi to keep on mitigating that and if, are there enough mitigating mitigants uh, possible is is their job so I think I'm again going back, you know, immense respect for the regulators in my life, and it's a it's a one of the most difficult roles which I have seen in a in a in a public life. Uh, uh, so now 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 how do we solve for it? How do we solve for it? And Mehul, I will tell you based on my India experience, right? And there are two three ways I would like to advise to the fintechs uh, who are looking at something which is very very innovative, path breaking, and they believe that they need a regulatory support. When we were discussing, and you know, one of the one of the one of the sessions, I heard uh, our deputy governor uh, Sri Ravi Shankar, and he used the word uh, the responsible innovation. He used the term responsible innovation. I think I was a little bit stuck. I know I reflected a uh, number of times. Uh, you know that responsible innovation, uh, what it means and what it is can be called for, and uh, and I think the, there is a huge meaning to this uh, term responsible innovation and i think the more you look at and you know why you want to why 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 you want to use your platforms by public right in the in the public if the public are going to use your platform whatever large or big it's it becomes a public platform now when you are building a public platform what are the areas which a fintech should look at and i'm just taking this responsible innovation ahead, right? Whether your solution actually has the inbuilt customer protection, whether your solution has the, the grievance redressal mechanism for the customer if, if he wants to do that. because And, you know, when I say that, you know, the grievance redressal mechanism is, again, not a phone call, not going back to anybody. And we face this problem uh, with uh, UPI a lot. While the scale is so high, you know, customer can't keep calling up on the, call centers he can't even reach a person so this is where the regulator uh, thought of the online dispute resolution you know not the online dispute uh, complaint but online dispute resolution as in concept first of its kind so i think i think the responsible innovation has to be drawn up back to your plans your understanding of the of the problem and you know how are you going to solve it i think this is one way to look at it uh, mehul the second uh, way I would look at it, and this is what my, again, personal experience, I see the regulators worldwide, not only in India, worldwide, becoming very, very open for interaction, engagement with the ecosystem, right? So I think the fintechs should approach and, you know, openly and uh, and, and and meet up the regulators and voice over uh, the, 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 the strategy plan, what the what they intend to do or what, what are they doing right now. I think the regulator, while the regulator cannot bless or uh, openly uh, agree, but, you know, they, they might derive some good or great inputs from the regulator in terms of how they should approach the the the, the, the matter uh, in that sense. So I, 
I believe one is, you know, looking at how do how do they create work for responsible creating work for responsible innovation, and second is, uh, you know, approaching and interacting with the regulator is are the two key. You know, just by just by saying that you know the regulator is not supporting or regulator is not, you will have to understand. If you understand why regulator is not agreeing on your on your views or why the regulation does not exist, there must be reason. And once you understand the reason. You can structure your methodology, your structure, your approach much better, much better, and in line with the regulator regulation of that particular country. Well, that's great, Dilip. That's great advice, and and I would strongly recommend the audience to to pay a lot of attention uh, and and take what you've said extremely seriously. And uh, I mean, you know, again, kind of borrowing the term responsible innovation uh, with your lens of responsible innovation, Dilip. Uh, how how do you view now all the current trends and hype around decentralized finance? And kind of how do you view that lending to what I call democratizing finance, right? And that actually goes back to kind of your journey of, you know, access and inclusion. Um, So if you can just, you know, again, comment on both, right, Uh, with your responsible innovation lens on. See, again, uh, you know, the the rate of uh, pace of uh, change for the technology is so high. You know, I think uh, all of us are still framing our our views, framing our, you know, training our mind to how to deal with this uh, technology. And, and, And there are a lot of discussions, right? There are a lot of discussions, debates happening, whether the centralization, decentralization, democratization, uh, and, uh, you know, there are many, many such, uh, you know, protocol level conversations that have started happening back in India now. Uh, so I think there are many conversations happening in India right now. And, you know, let me just tell you my take on that. I I strongly believe the the centralization is not harmful. In fact, it gives huge benefit back to the to the ecosystem, to the to the country as a whole till the time it's looked at with the public good lens, right? So if we create a centralization for any activity, any 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 uh, platform, till the time it's public good, right? Till the time it does not have the ill intentions or, or the profiteering intentions or uh, or any other intent of that centralized, uh, you know, you understand the, 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 the side effects of centralization. So till the time it's a public good, I, I think centralization is not bad right centralization uh, centralization do creates uh, some sort of uh, operational risk i may say so right you know because you, then you are dependent on the platform to to get the services right but there are variety of ways <coughs> you know you can structure your technology stack to ensure that the operational risk is is dealt with uh, adequately now, the second point I would like to touch upon is a democratization. Again, you know, when you look at when you look at the centralization with the public good, technically that's democratization in my assessment, right? And which is what we have seen some of the public platforms in India, whether it's Aadhaar, uh, whether it's Coven, whether it's uh, UPI or whether it's NPCI's other platforms, we see that it's a centralization public good resulting it back to the democratization of the activity right you know people have the access of the to the services that at a, almost like a zero cost zero uh, 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 trouble right you know that's what i see that 
now let's move to uh, and and is it good for the country i think it's it's great for the country obviously as as i as i spoke about you know every any institution can't do 100% good you know obviously the, the the evolution the change brings in its drawbacks and and you'll have to continue to work on those mitigations mehul that you know it's it's a part of life but obviously we can't stop changing or start stop looking at how do we uh, push forward now when you look at this uh, this whole web3 conversation decentralization and the protocol level strategy i think i think it's a it's a great technology in my assessment i'm i'm personally very bullish on on this uh, technology but you know i think the the what, what happens is the the companies working on on this you know are are actually driving their mind towards the the crypto or a, or a, or a stable coins in that sense right you know that's a single track mind i see but the technology of the decentralization or decentralization platforms or the or the protocol levels uh, right is, is is super powerful it is it is way beyond crypto and way beyond this uh, uh, this whole currency aspect of uh, it uh, and uh, uh, and and in my assessment we we at ntc are also very bullish on on this and i'm sure that you know, while india has taken lead in most of the things i i'm very very confident that india will also take lead on the protocol level strategies and and the and the decentralized platforms in that sense great perfect no thanks dilip uh, so look now to kind of uh, uh, transition a little bit uh, <laughs> to talk about the future right and uh, i'll kind of just do a little bit of the frame up uh, but uh, for lots of different reasons uh, many of which are organic and what i mean by that is that uh, you know in india uh so many different uh forces have been at play so much work has uh, has gone into this over decades as a matter of fact that you know over the last three decades i've had an experience to or i've had an opportunity to experience uh, but then combine that with let's just call it some of the recent developments the last few years uh geopolitical developments and so on i think there is now broad consensus around the world that the next 10 to 25 years uh, are really india's right and what i mean by that is that there is an opportunity for india to grow uh, uh leaps and bounds um whether it's our demography which gives us a huge advantage whether it's uh, uh our place in the world which gives us a huge a huge advantage and whether it's a lot of foundational work right including what you have done which gives us tremendous advantage so there is that consensus that the next 10 to 25 years are really for india to grow leaps and bounds and with that uh kind of where do you think uh a uh upi rupee and all the hard work that you've been doing over the last 10 13 years where do you see that to be in the next let's say 10 to 25 years uh b how do you see india stack uh you know which is now fairly well upon us uh how do you see that over the next 10 to 25 years um and in general uh, kind of what is your view of uh, business as usual when it comes to payments and disruption when it comes to payments as this growth really starts to accelerate see uh, you know let me let me respond back to this in couple of uh, uh uh two three parts so the first part is uh, you know i i can't agree more that you know that uh, you know india can be a great example uh, to many countries uh, when they look at uh, 
when they look at you know how do you uh, how do you ensure that you live in a minimal geopolitical risk in that sense and i of course you know while uh, while uh, you know a lot of credit uh, comes to npci but i think the the really when you look at now india is fairly self sufficient on on the on the payment system or digitization of the finance and i think credit goes back to the rbi and the and the government and i think they they understood this risk long back and you know creation right from the creation of the the entity like npci and uh, promoting innovation and promoting the uh, the 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 variety of payment platforms which are nowhere in the world right you know which is again is the what you call a complete clarity on you know how do we deal you know india being such a large country needs to have its own domestic payment systems domestic platforms and 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 i think the it is it is it is proving right in every aspect uh, mehul and i and i just want to take a little bit couple of minutes more to explain this uh, bit more detail and it's not only the geopolitical risk right because a country has its own ask and needs right which which many of the global institutions won't be able to fulfill right and this is a standard fight or debate between the standardization versus the localization right and and today for a large populating countries will have more needs on localized localization versus the standardization while the standardization continues to be an approach but the localization becomes a need of the hours to need of the world to reach towards that standardization right and today uh, very glad uh, you know very satisfying mehul uh, to see that you know what india has done to build up this public good infrastructures and you know as our prime minister keeps talking about now we are in the process of helping the other countries that you know they can look at india they can learn from india and build the domestic strength right use the npci or the india stack to uh, to to build up that self reliant and a vibrant domestic digital financial services right you know whether it's a open id project whether it's a you know the the npci's platform you know and we are very open to uh, to the central banks worldwide under the central bank to central bank arrangement or a government to government arrange, arrangement we are in fact you know we are open sourcing our platforms to that country right at uh and and you know we believe that this is the only way this this you know this current geopolitical risk maybe help to accelerate uh, but it's inevitable to have uh, uh then to have a, a, a efficient domestic efficient and innovation led domestic payment uh, uh public good platforms coming back to the to the to the second point you know you were, you have been talking about you know how do you see that you know the future uh, looks like and and again it's a very difficult uh, question to answer and i don't believe that the there is a a answer to that right because the way i look at it i the way i look at it again the variety of things will come and when we look at you know country like india we 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 strongly believe there are multiple solutions required and and a solution will not be able to drive all the all the requirement which 1.3 billion population uh, has is the you know i i see that emergence of centralized bank central bank digital currencies as a one of the motivators because it offers instant instant settlements more secure way to uh, to make payments i look at this whole web3 web2 platforms you know coexist 
to a large sense and ensure that you know the advantages of web web3 is preserved in a responsible way and the risk of web2 platforms are mitigated in a in a again in a responsible way i see that you know the use of uh, you know the 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 the, the whole protocol led approach you know and i keep talking to pramod uh, varma and you know he keeps now talking on the protocol led approach i i fully agree that most of the new platforms which india will build will take the 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 route of protocol driven approach instead of uh, centralization or a decentralization in that sense so i think it's going to be a variety of uh, uh, things which we believe can happen uh, when you look at such a long, long period of uh, 10 20 years again you know when i look at this whole tokenization of asset the power of smart contracts i think i think we are looking at very we are looking we are standing and looking at very exciting future uh, uh mehul and you know i i i i assume and i hope that you know npci will continue to drive and play a very important role as per the uh, as per uh, as what rbi and the government desires no absolutely dilip and so look as we as we wrap up the conversation uh, i have to end uh, this segment by asking you uh, that at a kind of a deeply personal level what in your opinion is the holy grail of fintech no i'm i'm very bullish because you know i uh, you know i personally think fintech has a great future right uh, you know uh, a responsible innovation has a great future in the not only in india but but in the worldwide uh, you know obviously the the fintech will have to uh, uh to uh, to keep those keep some things in mind in terms of you know how do they plan their uh, you know the three things which we spoke about you know what's what's the why and you know how do you use the technology in a in a deep tech and and the third is you know how do you engage with the ecosystem right you know these are the three important uh, parameters for any fintech to be uh, uh, to be successful but i i i personally think it's a, it's a it's a solid story it's a it's a uh, it's going to be uh, it's going to be very interesting uh, to see their growth and you know obviously it's a long term story uh, mehul you know i don't think people you know this whole stories of you know valuation getting double tripled in a in a year right you know i i think it's it's all, it's all hoax in that sense you know i am sure you are you are aware about that so i think i think if you leave aside this whole valuation story if you leave aside all this uh, the, the 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 not so good part of the fintech but if you are really trying to make a solve the problem if you are if the founders are really committed to solve the problem if the founders are really able to to uh, to to add the value in a significant way to the to the whether it to the customers consumers or businesses in that matter the the fintechs who are ready to collaborate with a bank with a with a financial ecosystem or a regulated ecosystem in the of the country i think in my personal opinion the the, the future is great uh, mehul and i am very very bullish and we at npci are committed to drive the 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 growth and engagement with the with the fintechs great that's the perfect note to to end our conversation today dilip so once again thank you so much for your time uh you know uh, i know how extremely busy and stretched you are uh as in i know so many folks uh, want a piece of you <laughs> so i really appreciate your carving out uh, time for us uh and of course i want to extend my thanks to our audience out there for uh, for allowing us uh, into their lives 
and uh, giving us their time as well. Um, as we normally do, uh, the Tantra team will uh, will publish uh, the podcast first, and then there will be a white paper out as well, kind of to act like a little bit of a synopsis. Um, and uh, stay tuned uh, for our next uh, edition on the Holy Grail of FinTech, uh, where we continue to kind of explore uh, the evolution uh, and what the Holy Grail of FinTech means uh, to different guests uh, uh, around the world. Thank you once again. Thank you, Mel.